Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Ali Petiti, and here on Trying to Figure It Out, we do exactly that. We try to figure it all out, and we talk about things like friendship, mental health, dating, sexuality, and we learn a lot about life along the way. This week on Trying to Figure It Out, we're getting into friendship, parent dynamics, sexuality, and more, and I'm so excited to do it with a very close friend of mine. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Quentin. Hi, excited to be here. I'm so Thank excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. You are one of my favorite people. You make me laugh so much. We've shared so many memories together. We have traveled. We've traveled. We've been around. We've gone to Disney, obviously. Disney, That's a big Universal. step. If you've gone to Disney... Oh, Oh my God, we did. We have done so many things together. And if you go to Disney with me, you're on a list. You make it into a list of a special kind of friend. There's a Disney tier friend. Exactly. And you have made it to that level. So we're pretty close, I would say. We are. I love it. Anyway, you, I met you through my friend, Ashley, who Mm -hmm. was also your friend. Yes. Who you grew up with. And I feel like since then, we've just... Really hit it off. We hit the ground running. We've We've been to Vegas together. We've, I told you, we've traveled. We've been around town. Oh yeah, (laughs) I like Vegas is its own story on its own. Oh my god, we'll get into all of that. But aside from all the fun we have together and how amazing of a person you are, you've been through so much, and there's so much of a story that you have to share, and there's so much of your story specifically that can help so many people, specifically the people who listen to this podcast. So. You were born and raised in L.A. What part of the city are you from and what was it like growing up in such a big city? Growing up, um, I, I, it was good. It was good and bad. You know, nothing's perfect. Um, and I, but I had everything I could have needed. You know, my parents supplied everything. And But was something that was really kind of weird for me was that I grew up in a part of L.A. that was like very like middle class. Um, I grew up on like Crenshaw and um, Olympic Boulevard. It's like mm-hmm. mid city, kind of like by Koreatown. Is that like Miracle Mile? Is that yeah, it's super close to Miracle Mile. Okay. Yeah, 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 totally. And so um, I noticed that like it's in between actually Hancock Park and Koreatown. Yeah. And Hancock Park is a very affluent, super nice neighborhood. And then Koreatown is, you know, is a little bit more like city, like yeah. apartments and things like that. And so I grew up in this kind of in between of never really feeling like I belonged to either. Like I had friends growing up that were like extremely wealthy and grew up in like um, very nice homes. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, like people, you know, living with like five people in a, in a one bedroom apartment type thing. Right. And so it was, it was actually, um, it's also a good experience, I think too, just having that kind of spectrum um, at a young age and just being exposed to that um, sure. to show you kind of like the, um, like the top of the top and honestly like a very low as well socioeconomically and it, you know it makes you um kind of grow up quickly as well i think that being in a big city um i think you're exposed to a lot yeah um again good and bad yeah and so yeah so for me growing up i also grew up um, with a father who was an immigrant from switzerland and my mother is actually from la so i was like first generation american on one side and then the second generation la on the other side so it's like <laughs> all like you know like talking about a spectrum that i was shown yeah. and exposed to from an early age 100 um and then growing up, um, my parents were like very into like yoga, natural kind of way of life. We were very involved in like this philosophical group. It's like the easiest way to describe it is kind of like a cult. Although there's a negative connotation, obviously, with yeah. the word cult. However, this is something that was a very uh, a, a big positive in my life. Um, we had people over at the house, like I'd say twice a week, um, adults from, you know, all walks of life. And they um, were just kind of like talking about you know, uh, philosophers and ways of thinking and, and things like that, that are, um, 
not necessarily re- religion oriented, more so agnostic, um, but just more about spirituality. Right. And so it was actually cool. It's kind of like I had this like extended family. Yeah. Which is really nice. And I still keep in touch with actually these people who are like part of the academy is what That's it's called. That's amazing. So I grew up in this kind of like community actually. And I'm still in touch with the kids of the community. Yeah. And it kind of um, exposed me to adults from a very young age. Right. Um, and I was always around adults. And so it's, I think it is kind of impacted me not growing up and to my adult life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so good to know. So what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? I was always a mama's boy. I was like, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I breastfed till I was four years old. I'm Dead. Like I was able to <laughs> verbalize to my mother that I wanted breast milk. Like, You're I like, was able give me the tit. Like I was like, <laughs> like finishing want, homework yeah. and then be like as a like midnight snack or whatever. Like <laughs> I want breast milk. But <laughs> So definitely to answer your question, mama's boy, my father was kind of like a stay at home dad, um, took care of everything, was very much the one like driving us to school, cooking every meal, cleaning the house, things like that, where my mother was the one working and um, making the money, essentially. She, right. My mom was a breadwinner. So it was kind of like reverse roles in that sense, traditional roles at least. Yeah. And so... My father, like I said, it was an immigrant. We were not close throughout my childhood. He definitely, I think, struggled um, with being in America. I think that he was kind of finding himself. Yeah. And through that, our relationship was pretty tough, actually. Like, he was not an emotional person at all. I wasn't necessarily so great at expressing that. And yeah. it came out in probably not the best ways. My mom was uh, different. She was very emotional, super sensitive, like very loving mm-hmm. in that way. And so that's why I think I gratitude towards her more absolutely um eventually my mom did kick out my father it's funny like i kind of like blacked everything out my parents were not the ones to communicate their problems to us ever my brother and i it's like you kind of just like yeah like my parents would fight but not never in front of us yep and one day it's just like okay like poppy's going back to switzerland and And you're like like kind of just like okay like nothing and anything's wrong and then you know a couple weeks later it's like mom is a boyfriend and it's like what is happening? Co- it's just like very confusing. And I understand. So right, I and literally it, just talked about this. And so it's like I, really I don't even understand. know what's better or worse, though. It's like as somebody, if you are you, is it better to like leave your kid out of right. the loop and what's going on, or is it better to kind of like inform them of what's happening? Like, there's no right or wrong, but it's yeah. really it's so weird when it happens to yeah. you. You're like, I don't know what would have been better because there's no answer. There's no yeah, because obviously that happened one way and there's no other way to go back. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So my dad left. Honestly, it only lasted about a year. Um. He came back, and that's when he became very religious. I, I don't know if you're aware. I think you are. You've told me to some a certain stuff. extent. Um. So my dad was never religious. My parents were never religious. They were like spiritual. Like I said, they were right. part of this kind of like cult. For lack of a better term. Um, but so he came back actually super religious. And I think my mom was really set on making the marriage work mm-hmm. and was really open minded to embracing religion. And therefore, from the day he got back, so I'm maybe like 10, 11 at this point, he went to church every single day and has yet to miss a day. And my mom kind wow. of like followed suit and they became super religious. Um, from the point I was maybe like 10, 11 on. But then my mom passed when I was 17 and my dad left um, when I was 18 to be to join the seminary and become a Catholic priest. So your dad was really religious growing 
up once he came back and your mm-hmm. mom partook in that as well yeah, this, yeah, and they were able to make things work totally and, like it was a happy marriage from it that was point. so happy i mean he never like i mean being very honest like hit me right. again afterwards not that we had like a great relationship afterwards but it was a lot healthier right um and they transitioned away from like this academy this like cult like spiritual group and and their new like spiritual group became the catholic church and right. so they attended church every single morning and then throughout my mom for the rest of her life until I was 17 when she passed. They went to church every single day. All their friends were involved in the church. Their mm-hmm. entire community revolved around the church and that was their way of um, life, honestly. It was everything was involved some way and another was involved around religion. When your mom passed, mm-hmm. do you think that that's what pushed your dad to then because he didn't have her anymore, he decided he wanted to become a priest? Or do you think that if your mom had still been alive, that that would have been the route he would have taken? Well, so in Catholicism, you... Um, you can't be married. Exactly. Right. You can't be divorced, neither. Right. Um, like, the only route you can kind of go down is through death. Or, I mean, I right. guess they can, like, annul your marriage, but I don't think that's... It's ever, a process, yeah. 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 But like I said before, he was kind of like a stay-at-home dad, so his life was totally reliant on my mom. Right. And so she was kind of, like... Um, the leader in like the social aspect she kind of like like I said made the money so she was definitely like the more like dominant in that right um, realm and so he kind of like followed suit and whatever she did so after her passing he I think was maybe you know a little lost I mean I've never spoken to him about it but I can assume that you know when you lose your life partner and he was like like it's like science yeah. he's like the type of person where like he said sex he told me with like five or six people his whole life so like this is not somebody that's gonna go out and like be fucking bitches like no, I, <laughs> he was like yeah. done you know I mean. so, so she died um when i was 17 i'm a junior of high school and then he i'm sure internally was kind of mulling over options on how right. to move forward of this you know like i'm sure you know it's a tough time you know Absolutely. and so he then decided i was uh, my senior year of high school he decided to leave and join the seminary to the point where like, you know, um, it's rare to have for a priest to have children. Yeah. And, and it's um, hard to become, to be accepted to be a priest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like, it's a, it's a, process. It's a seven year priest. He's actually still not a priest yet. So this is, he left my senior year of high school wow. and he is still not a priest. So it's been, we graduated in 2016 to 2022. Wow. He will become a priest in June of 2023. Have you been a part of that journey with him? So removed. I, I was 100% supportive of him. Obviously, right. I'm gay. Um, and so it's not necessarily something that aligns with... I yeah. will actually more so... I don't align necessarily so much with his views and his yeah, community views. Yeah, I mean, views. Catholicism is pretty... Uh, right, yeah. It's rigid in that sense. I was always very supportive. I'm under... I always operate my life that whatever you as an adult want to do, I support you as long as you treat me with respect. I don't care what your views are what you right. think, what you believe, whatever you do, as long as you just treat people with respect is all I care about, honestly. So he actually asked me when he was thinking about it, he's like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, yeah. how do you feel? I'm like, look, if, as long as you're happy, like, do your thing. Like, I am I know I can take care of myself. I've always been very independent. Right. So he left. And yeah, I've, so to answer your question, I've not been a part of it. I mean, I have visited him maybe twice at the seminary. Um, Are there rules about you being able to visit? No, is it not even? They're actually super open-minded, and honestly, like if I wanted to, like I could be there as much as I wanted. Right. But, I mean, like I have no interest yeah, in I going mean, up I there. That. You know, and he tries to get me out there um, over the past seven years, yeah. but I'm like, I'm very just like I would rather not. do a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that. Right, and so, but I, I do see him every once in a while. His seminary is an hour away, so yeah. 
I see him, I'd say like once a quarter. So yeah, I've not been involved in this process. I have no idea what he does, where he lives or anything. Yeah. And we've just kind of like gone our separate ways. So I've kind of essentially just been on my own since I was a kid, uh, like an 18 year old. Well, I have so much um, respect for you and thank, thank you for you. sharing that. Uh, but I do want to backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit and just ask you, while you were going through all of this, you know, you just expressed to all of us that you are gay. Mm-hmm. So at what point during this entire journey for you as a child and growing up, did you kind of start to discover your sexuality and learn more about who you are? How did that coincide with what was happening with your mom and what was mm-hmm. happening with your dad all together? Totally. And what were those conversations like? Yeah, no, that's, um, I mean, I've always had a thing for dudes. Always, <laughs> always, always. However, this is what I always say, that I always knew I liked men. However, I did not always know I wasn't into girls. I think that once you tell yourself something for so long, yeah. you kind of start to believe it. So like obviously growing up in this heteronormative world, you know, we're kind of taught that, okay, like as a boy, I'm into girls. So, right. uh, you know, like I told myself that for so long and I, I genuinely believed it. Like I was not like, I was not ever like, like hooking up with girls and being like grossed out, for example. Like right. I really, and even now, like girls don't gross me out. But I, I did believe it for a very long time that I was seriously like sexually attracted to women until I was about 16, 17. I was like, okay, this this can't be right. Like my attraction to women is definitely not that strong. I think right. they're beautiful and I think they're amazing. I think they're super sexy. However, it doesn't necessarily like get me going. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it definitely took me... Um, a while like 16 17 years old is when i would say i really was like okay maybe there's something more here maybe this like attraction i have to men is not normal or like what all my other friends are feeling sad that normal is yeah sorry but but i understand what you know what i mean and so and so i i definitely started exploring my sexuality more when i was like oh like 16 17 not actually having sex with anyone until i was actually 18 okay for the record i sincerely did not have sex with anyone until i was 18 (laughs) so yeah so i mean going through like to answer your question so yeah i always knew i was attracted to guys it took me a while to realize i didn't have this attraction towards women um i started exploring it a little bit and so as my mom was sick um, I mean, like as like cliche and kind of tacky as it sounds, um, I kind of was like, you know what, like life is pretty short. And my mom was diagnosed in July and dead in November. So like there was a pretty short span of time where, you know, her sickness was a reality. And then, you know, next yeah. thing you know, she's dead. And so I started to realize, you know, like this is something I feel I wanted to pursue it more. So I was actually promoting in high school like nightclubs in LA I love that and I was like bye at this point and I remember like my girlfriends that I would bring like they're like talking to these gay boys and then like I like will run over and like kind of introduce myself and they're like oh we're going to an after party and that's actually kind of how I started into my gay life which yeah through going out and through like kind of like partying yeah because you get um, to see something different like you're not seeing that when you're in your bubble at home when you're in the circle of your parents and your school and Mm -hmm. what the quote norm is especially like we're going back like 10 years ago maybe more than that and like this is before like instagram and tiktok i mean like instagram was around yeah it was a really eye-opening for me too because at high school there were gay guys and i went to an all-boys catholic school and there were guys that were open and 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 super comfortable with themselves and which is so amazing um however i just never really related um to any of them so going out into these clubs and seeing these older gay guys who were like you know like 28 30 32 and i'm like okay these are guys that i feel like i can connect with and attracted to like there's something here and so i was really intrigued by that and that kind of was a catalyst to me coming out and so at this point my mom has passed has been dead um for like a year or two this is my senior year of high school is when i fully 
started to come out um, to everyone, my friends and my family. But my dad was actually the last person to find out. Yeah. Um, he was away at the seminary. I remember the story, actually. I came home after like partying like all night. It's like 8 a.m. And my dad was <laughs> visiting and staying with me. You were how old? I was with him. I was 19. Okay. Everyone I came out at 18 for him. I was 19, 19. and I'm coming home after a long night of partying. It's like literally 8 a.m. He's fully making breakfast and I'm undressing to get in my pajamas to go to sleep. And he's like, you know, he was a very passive parent. So he never yeah. was going to tell me like I'm doing I'm crazy or I'm wrong. He kind of didn't want to know. You know yeah. And, and then, but like he at this point, he thinks I'm straight. And so <laughs> I'm getting dressed and we're kind of like chatting or I'm getting dressed in my pajamas and we're kind of chatting and a condom actually fell out. Uh, of my wallet and he's kind of like teasing me at this point i'm you know, yeah. 19 in college and he's teasing me he's like oh like who are you having sex with like kind of like in a joking way like come on like tell yeah. me whatever and i'm like dad like no like don't worry about it and he's like kind of like kind of like prying and poking mm-hmm. and my dad doesn't speak uh, english is a second language he speaks english fluently but it's just definitely a second language and he's mm-hmm. like you know asking these questions and i'm like finally i'm like i call my dad puppy and i'm like puppy like 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 like, uh, what did I say? I was like, I don't like girls. And he's like, oh. so you're having sex with the girls and you don't even like them? He's like, when you need to have sex with someone, you need to have a connection. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is you're not what I need like, fully. And I'm oh, like, no. no, like I'm gay. And he took like five minutes and he was like, like you're joking. And I was like, no, it's serious. Like I've been out to literally everyone except for you <laughs> for like a year. six months. Honestly, almost a year at this point. The time yeah. I sort of started coming out, it's been a year at this point. And then he actually sent me a really nice message. I went to sleep at 8 a.m. when I was going to bed and he was leaving <laughs> and making breakfast. Crazy so I, Right. I mean, just actually insane. And so I go to bed after our, like a five, 10 minute conversation where he's just like stunned. Like talk about too stunned to speak. This man was stunned. Yeah. And um, he sends me a nice message. Just like, hey, look, like I thank you for telling me I'll, like I'll always love you. And, and that was it. And we never really like talked about my sexuality in that like serious of a tone again and so i'm very fortunate that although my father is quite religious he's always been accepting of my sexuality so i know a lot of people that you know maybe have religious parents they struggle with their parents accepting them shame i mean kids get kicked out all the time i mean like yes my father is as religious as one gets you know when you're a priest you devote everything you take a vow of poverty you take a vow of celibacy you take you give up everything and so for me to have a parent that that was as religious as one can get, but also supportive right. of just the way I'm born. I felt lucky, even though I shouldn't feel lucky. That should be the norm, obviously. 100%. But I, I do feel grateful in that in that sense. Yeah, I'm so glad. Well, thank you for sharing that. Do you feel like you got a chance to show your mom your identity before she passed? You know, that's funny. I think about that, and people have also asked me that before. I never got the chance to come out to my mom. You know what? I was 17 and she was on her deathbed. So my mom, I never said she had cancer. So there was a process of her um, eventually passing. Right. And so I remember one night she was on her deathbed and in the house. And I kind of was talking to her as I do sometimes when she was kind of, she was not non-responsive. In and out. But yeah, but I was still just like, you know, just like chatting. And I really wanted to come out with her because at this point I did know that I was gay. Right. And um, I kind of like framed it as like, you know, like... I know I'm like the closest thing you had to a daughter, which I don't know why I went there. Yeah. But I think that was kind of me trying to be like um, acknowledging my femininity that I, cause I know that I was right. definitely more feminine than my brother in the sense of like, I was like dancing around like destiny's child as a kid and like <laughs> very like flamboyant in certain ways. Right. Um, and so I did 
tried not super hard to come out, but I wasn't ready. You right. know, it's not something that you can force. Anyone can force. Absolutely. So. And you know what? I believe that like your mom is your mom. Yeah. She was connected to you in every possible totally. way she could have. And, and it, honestly, me not coming out to her has never bothered me. It's funny, like her really good family, uh, her really good friends that are my family friends have told me that she kind of was aware <laughs> based on my behavior as a kid. Yeah. Like really into Beyonce, like really into Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> like, Very yes, into Beyonce. Like you full choreo. I love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I never got a chance to come out, although one, it never bothers me. And two, uh, some people do think that she would have known or that she yeah. didn't know and that she had discussed it with her friends when I was a kid. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. I really appreciate it. We're going to move on to some friendship stuff and just mm -hmm. talk about what, you know, the other side of things growing up was like for you. Going through all that you went through while you were in high school, like we were just kind of talking about, what would you describe your high school experience to be like? The best time ever. Really? I mean, I, this is what I say. I don't think I'm a good representation for what it's like to be a queer kid at an all boys Catholic school that is like very sport oriented too. Yeah. Um, I was like playing sports. I was like not out. Yeah. You <laughs> were like a like jock. <laughs> definitely a jock. I was definitely like party boy, like, um, like trying to hook up with girls, you know? So like, yeah, I have a lot of older friends and who are who are gay and they'll always kind of ask me like what it's like to grow up being gay in LA in like a very like more modern time and I'm like I'm the worst person to ask because when I came out a little bit later mm -hmm. I mean 18 it's all relative I guess but I also like I I, I fit into like the hetero kind of yeah. like norm idealized yeah. thing where like I'm 6'3 I played sports. I have like a deeper voice maybe than other gay kids. And, yeah. you know, I like can, I can, if I want to, I'm like straight passing, you right. know, in certain sense. A hundred percent. That's and a so, great way to put it. For me, it, I mean, I had the best time ever. High school was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I was on this volleyball team with these guys and we did everything together. We did like, we played sports at uh, school together. Then we would like go on tournaments in the weekend. So mm -hmm. I was spending like so much time with these guys. We would practice in the night. I mean, like they're like family to me, like they're yeah. brothers. I would literally like bus home with them and like stay at their family's places. Um, Cause like practice would be in the Palisades or like on the West side. And yeah. I lived more like inner city and none of them lived inner city. They're all yeah. like beach city kids. <laughs> and I was like the one inner city kid. Right. And so they kind of like took me under their wing. Um, I definitely was an outsider in that aspect. Like, I was not, I didn't, like I said, grow up by the beach. They all grew up playing volleyball. Right. I got kind of picked and thrown into volleyball just because people saw me play basketball and they were like, oh, he should play volleyball. Um, so yeah, so high school was great. I think that the relationships I have with these guys that I played on my team with, I'm still, I mean, best friends with, I mean, you know, like Adam, yeah. like I think came to your birthday. Yeah, I love Adam. Um, and so <laughs> I, I'm still super close to all these guys. And like I said, they're all straight and, right. you know, like kind of jock um, uh, types and, for me, like my friendships were kind of revolved around my sport. So I quit actually volleyball my junior year. And this was when around my mom dying. And that was when I really started like partying more in the West yeah. Hollywood. I became like, like I said, like a promoter yeah. at these clubs and then going out like three times a week. And that kind of, like I said, was a catalyst 
into me meeting people and my eventual coming out. So for me and my friendships, um, for the first three fourths of my high school experience were just strictly around sports and strictly around like where you kind of lived. And then going forward, like the latter, like the end of my junior year, all of my senior year, was more so like okay like i stayed more in when like the west hollywood area and i was more honestly i wasn't really hanging out with that many high school kids at that point i really right. had kind of like like was fascinated by this new world that i had been exposed to and with yeah. it opened up and also i keep everyone uh, at a distance i'm not close yeah. like this with like anyone so yeah. i all my friendships for all my life have been super positive because i keep everyone arms distance i'm like very much a floater yeah i'm not the type to like have one friend group that i do everything with and that, you know what i mean I'm, I'm like i'll see you like three times in a week and then i'll disappear for like two months yeah. i'm also just like very drama averse and i oh, find yeah. that like the closer people are the more it can open the 100%. door to drama or people get offended or people get hurt if they're maybe not invited to something and like for me i'm just like i have no time for that so no, like literally I'm the most like drama verse like, I, I don't can't get think fights. of one conflict story no. related to you that like i've I don't ever get con- heard I don't get i've conflicts. never heard of that in my life i've never heard a single story of drama surrounding no, you i've like, only heard positive i'm and, like, out it goes into my room like romantic relationships as well which is sure. maybe not the best thing because if there's yeah. any type of drama i'm like You're out like, the door see ya. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's definitely some pros and cons to it. So who do you open up to though? Like who do no. you really depend on? Because there has to be, yeah. you know, at some point you need someone, you can't just bear all of it on your own. So who are those people and what kind of standards do you hold them to? It's, it's sad, but like, I really, I try to just like keep my shit myself is yeah. how i kind of operate I feel like you like live by the classic like you leave your dirty laundry at 1000 percent. like i like if i'm going through anything or if i'm feeling some type of way it's like no one knows about it and yeah. if i am in a relationship i definitely do actually open up to like, right. my partners or maybe if i'm not even like in a labeled relationship with the person if right. i'm like dating someone i definitely will open up to them so like if i'm in that scenario where i have like a romantic person that i'm interested in i will open up to them but other than that i'm like very closed off in that sense yeah it's it's something to work on i think that it's something that i i as i'm getting older i should be better at because i don't necessarily think it's the healthiest thing i think it's a mix it's like you have to find what works for you and i think protecting yourself if that's what's worked for you Mm -hmm. up until now you're 25 24 i'll be 25 on sunday oh my god (laughs) so soon well you're about to be 25 and i think that just in general it's so important to know what you need for yourself and how you can take care of yourself and like you just said that's something you could also work on and like you know i'm always here you can call me you have to remember like the way you grew up is is years of silence years of fear years of bottling things in so if it's been what seven years since you came out eight years since you came out i think it's very fair that you're still navigating for sure how to let people in and to what extent that works for you and also for me too like i was in survival mode from the get-go like for me like you know like no mom no dad you know he's not working making any money that's where you are right now i mean i know you you're a hustler yeah so like for me it was like i have no time to like yeah kind of deal with my emotions which is probably not the best thing but it was like always just like in survival mode like get the shit done like yeah. i need i need to like i need to make it or else like i'm on the streets totally. you know but also to validate you like we're sitting here right now and yeah. you just shared so much of yourself with me and you're giving so much and you're 
saying so much and you're so aware you're so self-aware and i think that you should also know that you're not as closed off as you think because the fact that you just sat in this space with all the friends that you have as well like Mm -hmm. there's people that will always be there for you and are that close to you no matter what you share like sometimes you don't have to say anything and people will still be there for you so i don't think you're as closed off as you think no no you're probably right We just refilled our glasses yes, of wine because we are going to talk about something that we don't <laughs> always talk about on this podcast. And that might truly be my own fault. I am very shy when it comes to talking about sex so. and sexuality is something that I love to talk about mm-hmm. separate from myself. But yeah. I definitely would say I struggle with my own sexuality in the sense that i am so shy sexually really i have a really hard time i'm a heterosexual woman like i am straight as it gets straight as an arrow but i'm not sexual so Mm. i almost am on this like weird spectrum of like questioning myself if i'm asexual or like why i don't have sexual like impulses and it's something i really struggle with and i think being around you it's like such a juxtaposition for me because like you are so forthcoming with your sexuality and with like (laughs) your like way of talking about sex i mean i'm not i'm you know what i'm gonna say it i grew up thinking that like masturbation and all of those things were like shameful and not not because of how i was raised not anything other than my own like interpretation of it that was how i grew up i think that masturbation for girls is like not a spoken thing and like the word makes me literally like the fact like saying it that word makes me crawl out of my skin which is kind of sad because it's like masturbation is like a self-pleasing thing it's something that do you want to know the shock i experienced when i found out that every friend of mine owns a vibrator (laughs) i was like that's actually surprising to me I was like, that's normal. <laughs> like to me, I'm like, porn is inappropriate and not oh, normal. Oh my God. Vibrators are that. not okay. And me, I'm just sitting here and so I'm you're like, you're a nun. Like, I'm you do, I'm making my dad on the phone. Like, do you want to like oh, go with him? <laughs> like, and it makes me sad because like, I, I don't, I don't want to be this no, way. Yeah. I just like don't understand how to talk about sex uh-huh. in like a normal way. It's, it help. makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> and yeah. that's why. I'm glad to have you here because you're really going to balance me out because Mm -hmm. we are slightly polar opposites when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if you're down, let's do it. I would like to just get into it because we haven't done that yet. I love getting into it. Okay. (laughs) So ever since I've known you, you have been very open about your sex. No, no, no filter. No, nothing. If anyone follows your close friend's story, which they are lucky to, they are lucky to follow it. So you are so open and honest and it just, first off, it makes me laugh because you're fucking hilarious. (laughs) But it's also like the stories of things you've experienced are insane. So where does your like sexual openness come from? You know, it's funny because growing up, I actually grew up in a household that was, sex was never spoken about. Same. My dad, I mean, it was like the thing where like I could watch any R-rated movie with my family, gore, violence, cussing, never an issue at all. But if anyone is having sex it's like turn it off done we're not talking about like it was totally taboo in my house so like for me being so open was definitely a process honestly being just very candid i i think became so open with my sexuality because i realized that 
amongst my straight friends, it was like very unknown. I just like like pushing the boundaries. I mean, you've seen yeah. like we our friends are like very straight, especially the boys so are straight. very straight. So straight. And I will be I give no fucks. I'm like I want to just like make them uncomfortable, but like oh they appreciate God. it. And like I appreciate that they appreciate it, you oh, know? No one's ever like given me like a negative, you know, like look or said anything negative. Yeah. Like they kind of like laugh cuz they're like visibly uncomfortable but like not in a rude way at all they like, like don't know what? what to do with themselves yeah Especially, i kind of love that though well, straight, i love when our guy friends are like no because the straight boys what? don't know what to do with me because i like <laughs> think that i can like i they like see me as one of them but yeah. then i'm talking about like getting railed and like on a saturday night it's like you said you are very straight passing yeah, like yeah. you're very straight passing yeah. and i think that that's so like that's part of why like sometimes the guys and they don't group, know what to do with me they don't expect it it's yeah. like you're talking about getting railed and then you and throw then, in the fact that it was by a dude and yeah. they're like Whoa. and then i'll ask and then i'll talk to you about like <laughs> how the rams did on sunday and like yeah. i can talk to you about football i know no. everything like the lakers right. okay so i'm gonna ask you the question what is the number of sexual partners you have had up to date today um okay so i actually kept track for a while because yes. i thought it was funny well, and, of course. and i like had a list until i was about 21 i lost track after 120 when i was like 21 and that, that i've been out for like three years so i was i guess i had yeah i had like sex with over 100 people in a few years and I lost, so I lost that list. Unfortunately, I kind of wish I had kept it. Like, there's times where I'm like, should I go back and like have an hour sit down with myself and, and like update really this reflect. list, like penetration or like this oral count? We can, we can, let's say because it's very drastic. There's a big difference. Okay. Well, I now I'm curious. So let's start with both, okay. and then let's talk simply penetration. Okay. So if you're including oral, because as a gay man, having that, penetrative yeah, that's, sex that is a makes process. A so penetration, I'm like maybe like a 350 to like a 500. Um, <laughs> the woman was I too stunned, stunned to speak. Ali's <laughs> face right now. Oh my god. I um, mean, you just have to understand we're having a conversation yeah. here with like the least sexual person no, and, and the I'm most. So like this, there's like such we're talking yeah. opposite ends. No, of and I no, totally, and I'm like, and I embrace it, and I'm like, so, I'm no, I'm like proud, <laughs> and like wear the slut badge with honor. <laughs> and so okay, so penetration, I'd say. Like 350 to 500, and then like oral, uh, maybe like 700 to like an eight. I'd say wow. I have double the amount of oral experiences that have penetration. So if it's like 500, I'm probably close to a thousand. Wow. I don't know. I'm don't, impressed. That's an I mean, honestly impressive. I, do you actually enjoy it every single you know, time? Being very honest with you, I feel like I have to do it. Like really? I feel like being part of the community that I'm in, it's so hypersexualized. Yeah, it that, like is. if I'm not doing anything on a Tuesday afternoon, I'm like I should be having sex. Like why am I not having sex right now? That's actually really interesting. No, it's it's actually a pressure, and I think that it, it, uh, being a lot of my close gay friends are a lot older, and so I think that I've kind of taken their mentality as at a young age and yeah. and been like okay. I, I need to be having sex or else like 100%. I'm not I'm, or else I'm doing something wrong which is actually a, I never thought I'm about saying it out that. loud it's weird because like I come from a very hypersexualized, super you know active absolutely world. and so for me like having sex is like a, a chore at this point because it's like I, I sincerely on a weekend if I'm like not fucking then it's like like I didn't do much this weekend yeah, and it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's weird and it's honestly to the point so when you go to like do I enjoy it it's like 
I love it, but it's like for me, like sex with somebody that I actually know it and like is like so much hotter, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, but like there are times where I literally will force myself to hook up with someone just because I feel like I should be hooking up with someone as a gay wow. man. Yeah. It's it's wow, fucked. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's that's fucked. actually really fucked. Yeah. But also really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think something that's not super talked no, about. It's and it not. actually makes a lot of sense because I do agree with you that the community is super very hyper sexualized, especially sexual. with like this new wave of like being Girl. gay, yeah. almost being like what's the word? Um fetishized. Like yeah, people love no. to have the gay best friend. Totally. People love to have all We're of like that. Toy, and like yeah. they want the super flamboyant they guy who stories. has all the stories exactly. of like how many people have you fucked mm-hmm. and how open about it are you? Like that that's definitely a thing. It one hundred percent is. And it's like I feel like I need to have sex to kind of fulfill this role I play. So I do have a lot of sexual encounters and <laughs> do I enjoy it all? I do feel like it's forced a lot of the time. So that's Well that makes question. me kind of sad. No, but it's it's okay. Because like, I feel me, like if I'm getting my dick I... sucked and it's forced, like there's a lot of worse things I could be pressured <laughs> into do is all I'm gonna say <laughs> on like a okay, Tuesday fair. afternoon of my lunch break. But like, like <laughs> think of it this way, like as your friend, like yeah. I associate you as someone who's super open about it yeah. and like loves to talk about it and is Which, funny about it. But then totally. I think about it now and it's like I can even see flaws in my friendship with you where i'm like well now that i know that that you kind of feel like some of its force it's like i'm not saying i'm going to change i'm not saying i'm going to be any different towards you i'm not going to look at you differently i'm not going to anything but like i'm not going to fetishize your body count for no reason but i'm going to tell you this one i've never felt like any type of pressure or anything from you nor anyone in my friend group and two actually what i'm actually referring to is actually in in within the gay community talk about like um misogyny within a community that has no woman it's insane. it's insane because like if you were like a flamboyant kind of more feminine man it's terrible and so sad to see like in this gay hierarchy that some people might deem you as inferior yeah or less than um, if you're like a flamboyant or if you're like a bottom, which is like if no one knows a like the rece- the receiving right. individual in sex, if you're like right. the one that is um, being penetrated, for lack of a better <laughs> term, um, like there's a lot of something that we call in the gay community, it's called bottom shaming. And it's actually, I think it's actually deep rooted in misogyny in the greater scale of the world. A hundred percent. And that it's actually sexist that although, yes, we're in this male, strictly a male community. However, yeah. there's still misogyny permeates the walls from our upbringing and from just society 100%. in general, because like femininity in my experience, has been deemed lesser than, inferior, worse. Like, people would want to associate with maybe guys that are more flamboyant. And if you're masculine, if you can, like, be straight passing, it's better, it's hotter, it's sexier, it's you get more invites to places. And so it's tough there's layers there's i mean layers. there's so much more yeah. to it there are so many nuances to mm-hmm. this and there's so much to unpack 1, and like there's so much to learn it's yeah. it's really crazy and i think it's really interesting to have this conversation with you because there's i mean we could go on for hours about mm-hmm. this it's no i wrote my senior thesis about it. i mean actually. it's insane yeah. and so I'm going to segue a little bit because yeah. I feel like we've covered so much important information <laughs> in this episode. Like I literally think we could go on for hours I think so and too. I love it, but I want to ask you one more question mm-hmm. when it comes to sex. Tell me your craziest sex location of all time. Location. Oh my God. Yes. So I'm a very big frequenter of bathrooms. I love, because this is what I'm saying. I really like to 
party as you know (laughs) (laughs) and i don't want to leave a party so if i see you and i like you i'm like you me bathroom now i'm not leaving no 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 i'm staying at the party and And then let me also throw in too if we're at like a warehouse party (laughs) and there are only porta potties i will go and fuck you in a porta potty and then go back to my friends and then go and fuck someone else in the porta potty (laughs) Like, I've been having sex with someone in a porta potty, and like the boyfriend of this individual, like, kicked down the door looking for his boyfriend. So, like, I'm sorry. So, you've caused some serious. But, like, they're open. I think he was just like sincerely looking for his boyfriend, and maybe, like, they have a maybe they have a deal that, like, oh, like, you need to tell me if you're gonna go fuck some kid. And I guess maybe that wasn't followed through. So, yeah, so location, I mean, I've done. Porta potty is pretty good. Porta potty, I've done like in a park. I love you. You're the best. Well, thank thank you you so much. We're going to get to the final part of our episode, which is something I do every episode of trying to figure it out. It's called Alpies 3. And it's basically just my way of incorporating music into the podcast because, you know, I love music and have a passion for it. So I do. So something that we've experienced together. Yes. A few times. A f- more than a few times. Everywhere we go and go out, we end up on a party bus. And I think mm. that that's honestly the most ridiculous no, thing it's, ever. Uh, no, it's actually... It's but insane. like, we've had some memories on yeah. the party bus. So what are three songs that oh come on on the party bus that oh get God. you and I going together? We can okay. do this. Honestly, so I was going to say I'm like a hip hop girl. Yeah, you are like, a hip hop girl. I can girl. get into like a hip hop, like a Drake, like a that... I like when people always ask me like what's your favorite song I my default I just like it practice in my head because I feel like it's like, not an uncommon yeah. question uh, it's a very my common. default is always work Rihanna Drake love it is what I default to just because it's like a classic everyone knows it I feel like it like kind of gives me like a little bit of cred but I always back it up with like and people <laughs> like it like I know it's like so mainstream and I want to have like a favorite song that's like not as mainstream so I'm like I'm cooler but I've given up on that. No, I it's, agree. And also, like, if you ask me my favorite song and I tell you, like, some song that's, like, you don't know, like, that's not fun. No, it's you know? not. So okay. I'm going to go with Work, Rihanna Drake, because, like, everyone knows it. Everyone can get down and work Rihanna Drake. Okay. Okay, so that's one. Work. Yes. I think Fergalicious. Okay, I can, no, I love a Fergalicious. Like, you, me, Party Bus, Vegas, Fergalicious. Fergalicious. I'm losing my shit. Shirt is coming off. I'm yeah. dry humping somebody. And I'm spinning on the pole. Yep. Yeah, Obviously. and then I'm like feeling mad that you're getting attention and I'm not, and I'm kicking you off the pole, and then I'm going on the pole because I'm wanting attention. Is actually what's happening. Okay, one more. I would say. Um, I'm thinking like um. You know the song "Fake ID." Dominic Fike. No, Dominic Fike is my. If it's okay, so we live in LA. We're based in LA. If it's a sunny Saturday or a Sunday, if I'm like kind of stoned and I'm like out with my friends, like Dominic Fike Radio Spotify go to. Highly recommend to anyone out there. He's great. Yeah, I like so strongly fuck with Dominic Fike. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Quentin. I literally could not love hanging out with you more. <laughs> I would like to get a little more serious for one more second. Mm. I just want to say the stories that you shared today are so personal and so deep. And I know that it can be really sensitive for some people to hear certain stories that are covering the topics that we've talked about for anyone who is struggling. There are so many resources out there that you can reach out to that you can use to help yourself. And just more importantly, know that you're not alone. Know that there are people out there who want to help you and who can relate to you. The whole point of this podcast is for anybody out there to feel just even slightly less alone in any way possible. And 
I am just so grateful for everything you shared today. I learned so much from you. I learned stuff about you that I didn't already no. know. And I'm just really grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And honestly, off that note, I just want to say to anybody listening that maybe resonates with my story that it, yeah. I know you've heard it before, but sincerely, things do get better. Um, I mean, I know, you know, hear stories all the time about queer people yeah. you know, taking their own lives or um, you know, maybe struggling with mental health. And I am truly like a living proof that things get better. And I've struggled Absolutely. so, so hard. I know that, you know, we had a lot of like lighthearted conversation, but I've been in the dumps and it has been really, really tough in certain points. But I just want to say that things do look up and to persevere and to focus on yourself and, you know, work. And maybe if you're a party boy like me, and you know, maybe not so much to party. And then really, you know, like, uh, give importance to career and, and friendships that actually matter and it does get better is what I'm saying. So thank you, Absolutely. Allie. Thank you. And also it. just one final note. Some people can use humor. Some people yeah, can use lighthearted of ways of telling stories. Absolutely. So for those of you who are listening who can relate to Quentin's story but mm -hmm. don't talk about it with the same sense of humor or the same exact narrative that Quentin does, totally. there are still people who understand you and people yes. who support you. and. Absolutely look after you and understand what you're going through. So thank you, Quentin. Thank you are you. amazing. And thank you everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Cause I sure as hell did. <laughs> We've been taping for way longer than we normally do. <laughs> and sorry. No, and lot. it's, it's the best thing ever. I had such a great time with this interview and I'm so excited that you are here and thank finally you. on trying to figure it out. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. I will see you all next week. Appreciate it. Thank you guys.